Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good morning. we reading from Joshua 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan, the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let me see that. What is it for you? What are you most afraid of? Spiders, snakes, conversations, heights, flying, dogs, needles, blood, darkness. Are you afraid of not being loved, of losing your memory, of disappointment, of eating the last Oreo? That might just be me. Are you afraid of finding out your test score? Are you afraid of water, of failure, of death, of enclosed spaces? Are you afraid of church? Are you afraid of confessing something you're struggling with? Are you afraid of God? Or are you even afraid to talk about the things you are afraid of? What is it for you? What do you fear the most? Think about it right now and also think about what is your relationship with fear? Do you avoid your fears? Do you freeze when those fears become a reality? Do you run and try and hide from them? Or do you even let fear determine your next move over and against what God desires for you? Let me be the first to answer some of these questions on my end today. There are two things, well, there are many things in my life that are scary. And I'll throw my wife under the bus. One thing she's terrified of, spiders. She screams like bloody murder when, when she sees the tiniest spider. <laughs> and I'm always, I'm always there to kill it. 
So, um, but two things in my life that really paralyze me right now. It's Zane's fault. You me to be genuine, right? Last week, I'm going to practice one of the things he asked of us by acknowledging an insecurity to y'all. I love and people I want to impress. Y'all, it scares me to death that I would hurt any of you. I have a tendency to be a people pleaser, and so there's something within me that's terrified of letting this church down, both on a collective and individual level. And to get even deeper to the point, I'm terrified of letting my family down, my wife down, my kids down, and this is real for me. And I'll tell you, there are two things that I often do when that fear happens. I either run away from those feelings, or I try to do something that will bring about temporary happiness, that will quell the fear for the moment, but it's, it's never enough. I wonder if that might be a fear of your... Now on a lighter note, the second thing, parents of toddlers, you know this fear. If you say it doesn't keep you up at night, you're not being genuine. And I'll have to talk with Zane about that. But I last Sunday with our daughter Avery. Y'all, I'm terrified when I see the look in her eyes when she has stayed up a minute too long. You would hope she would be like, Dad, I'm really tired. Can you put me to bed? No. Instead, her energy level flies a thousand. And it's like, Dad, she looks at me. She doesn't really say this, but she will soon. You brought this on yourself. I was giving you the cues, and y'all, all it, com- all it becomes is about damage control. What in the house can we save from her wrath? She's running around the house. This is a true story. She's running around the house, I feel sorry for our dog, with a shopping cart, trying to ram him over and over again, while diabolically laughing. She knows exactly what she's doing. And y'all, those moments can strike fear in the heart of any parent. Thanks for letting me share that with you this morning. And I hope y'all, to be honest, that something I listed this morning uh, spoke to you. But no matter what, I know one thing is true. That you come to church this morning bravely. You come here to church with something that scares you. Something that you're doubting, something that you're worried about, something that you And that is okay. It's okay that there are things in life that scare you. And as human beings like Joshua that we met moments ago, and like others from the Bible, we have to find a way to respond to fear in the lens of following Jesus. And it might just change everything. And if you find yourself in this moment right now not sure that you are ready to follow Jesus, I just want to tell you, that's okay too. But what's also real, God is with you. God is with you and ready when you are ready. So, good morning. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Delano. Uh, I am the discipleship minister here at Round Rock Church of Christ. Uh, If this is your first time with us, again, I just want to say welcome. Uh, We are so glad that you uh, checked us out this morning, that you are willing to be with us in worship today. 
Um, and I want to stop here just for a moment uh, and tell you some, about something that's coming next week. So um, if you are interested in finding out more about this church, um, if you want to meet new people, uh, ask questions uh, about this church, and also find out how to get plugged in uh, when you're ready, we have the perfect thing for you. It's Discover Round Rock. It's uh, next Sunday at 10 a.m. Uh, you don't have to RSVP or anything. You just show up, and uh, we will lead you uh, to the room. And we would love uh, to spend time with you uh, if you are interested. All right. So, as I mentioned, uh, I am so excited to be with you all this morning. Um, as you can probably tell, um, we are continuing the series uh, that Zane's been preaching these last few weeks uh, called Here's How. Uh, Zane will be back up, ne up next week, actually, to preach part five. Um, but this series we've been talking about, uh, choices, practices, rhythms, things uh, that allow us to experience and exhibit the love of Jesus. Because at Round Rock, our mission is to be a community of believers who live love. Not people who just feel love or offer uh, expressions of love. Not just people who dabble in love, but people who let love consume us. Where love is a way of being and not an objective to achieve. And so how we do that is by being with the one who truly embodied love, Jesus. And so this, this morning, we're getting to the fourth way of what it looks like to share life with Jesus. And that is one of being brave. And this morning, if you didn't know, the starting point for understanding God's desire for us to be brave means that we have to recalibrate our understanding of fear. We have to rethink about fear if we are going to really figure out what it means to be brave when following God. And I know so many of us come here this morning, right, with, with different opinions, different uh, understandings of fear and its purpose, right? Uh, some of us may believe that fear is a weakness. Some of us may believe that, that when following Jesus, that means you don't have fear at all. Some of us believe that fear is actually the place where Jesus can be found. Um, some of us may even use fear um, or the, the object of fear as a, as a cop-out. But I, what, what I want us to do today is just define what it means to have fear in the, context, in the context of following Jesus. Because every person in this room is invited to be brave. It may be in a different way from one another, but you are invited to be brave. And so this week, uh, I wanted to start by this. Of, I was watching a leadership talk. Um, one uh, done by the name of, by the pastor by the name of Andy Stanley. Uh, he uh, is a is a pastor at North Point Community Church in Atlanta. If you know me, you've probably heard me mention him before. Uh, but but Andy was laying out myths related to bold and brave leadership in the church, um, and he says this. I think we need to need to hear it. A big myth is that bold leadership is reserved for fearless people. That's absolutely not the case. And this is his great line. All the fearless people are dead. Everybody has fear. Your fear isn't going away until you are dead. It got quite a few laughs, but I think it was really what I needed to hear. Right? Fear is normal. 
Everyone has fear, and I think if we act otherwise, is if we act as if we are above fear as followers of Jesus, what we do is harmful. We can end up leading, I've seen this happen, leading people to hide from God, believing that if they have fear or doubts, He, God will not welcome them. We can teach people that God is only reserving a place at the table for those who are without fear, and that God only requires bravery for the fearless. And that's just not the case. Rather, being, I think this is true, being without fear is not a prerequisite for Jesus' following bravery. Rather, fear might just be the catalyst of God moving you to be brave in ways that are completely dependent on something else completely outside of you, outside of your own bravado and desire to have it all under control. And so this morning, I want us to take cues on from Joshua with God. If you want to follow along, um, we, will be, um, we will be hitting different parts of the text this morning. They'll be on the screen, but if you want to follow along, this is Joshua, the, the sixth book of the Old Testament. So it's in the front half of your Bible. It's after Deuteronomy and before the book of Judges. So in the Old Testament, we meet Joshua. Joshua becomes the leader of the Israelite tribes following the death of Moses. Moses, one of the heroes of our faith. Uh, Moses is the man who, with fear in his heart, right, stumbling over his words, allowed God to enable him to to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery into the wilderness, and toward the promised land. God had made a covenant with the people of Israel, and Moses was a part of that continuation, a covenant to be their God. And now Joshua comes to the scene. He comes to the scene with the most important step yet ahead. As soon as he enters the scene, God's like, it's time. You're going into the promised land. But this is not walk in the park. It's not as if there is no opposition. Rather, Joshua is going to lead Israel into battles that seem unwinnable. And what's fascinating is Joshua recognizes this as a military leader. He's like, this is going to be a problem. But, hey, this is what God called them to do. He says, I don't, I don't have a plan, but I know we're crossing the river because God is with us. Not because I'm in control or not because I'm without fear, but because God is with us. And God doesn't say, be brave because there's nothing to fear. God invites you, invites Josh, invites me to be brave because of two things. One, God is with you. And then two, you don't have to go at it alone. And y'all, this is so evident in the start of Joshua's story. He has every reason to be afraid. The equation he is seeing isn't adding up. All he can see is ruin and loss. They're outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, and outplanned, fighting against professional militaries and fortified cities. But I want us to look at three moments that Leanne read for us this morning. Moments that set the tone for Joshua's relationship with God, that hopefully will set the tone for relationship with God. So I want to hit these real quick. First in Joshua 1, 5 through 6, God says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. If Joshua didn't get the point. And one step, be strong and very courageous, Joshua. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. And one more time. Joshua, have I made you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And y'all, this is important. All of these things, all of these verses are saying the same thing. God is saying, be courageous. Because God is saying, I am with you wherever you go. And each of these point us to a truth that, uh, yes, God is with you, but I, I couldn't say this any better. Last week I was talking uh, to Nicole Whaley, uh, one of the members of this church who's a friend of ours, uh, and she was talking about being brave. And she said something that's just stuck with me. She said, being brave flows out of divine proximity. Being brave flows out of divine proximity. God isn't saying to Joshua, don't be afraid because fear isn't. Don't be afraid because the battle isn't irrational. But because you are in proximity with the divine one. This is the reason to choose bravery in spite of fear, in spite of circumstances that aren't easy. Because bravery is acting in the face of fear. It's being afraid to do something and doing it anyway. It's being terrified to pray to God for bravery and praying anyway. It's wondering all night whether you should have that conversation with your spouse, with your friend, with your worker, and doing it anyway. It's choosing to stay when it's easier to leave. It's choosing to leave when it's easier to stay. Bravery flows from the God who is in divine proximity with you. The God who never leaves you. Not the God who says it won't be scary. Not the God who says you won't have to sacrifice something to be brave. But the God who says I'm right beside you. And there's something also so beautiful in this story. The second reason that I mentioned to choose bravery. We see it in Joshua's story. It's that he's not alone. Because God doesn't call us to be brave outside of a community who surrounds us. Who's willing to also choose the hard, the challenging, the necessary moments of courage with you. We read this in Joshua's story. They're outnumbered, they're outgunned, don't have a plan, but they are in proximity to the Divine One. In community. I mean, God doesn't say to Joshua, you got this. You're a superhero. You don't need anyone. You can take over the promised land on your own. If the people are like, nah, go ahead. No. God says this in Joshua 1, 2. Joshua, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. The Israelites. It's not Joshua coming on his own. It's Joshua being brave alongside a community because brave and courageous people inspire bravery and courage in one another. God's proximity to you, God's proximity to us, should make it safer to trust the God who might want us to risk everything. And y'all, bravery doesn't just make sense in the presence of fear. 
but it makes so much more sense in the presence of others. And I know we've spent a lot of time this morning diving into what makes us brave, what can lead us to bravery, but I want us to dig a little deeper into the practical. I want us to think about what is possible with this courage that God has enabled. And I know I mentioned uh, Andy Stanley earlier in this talk. Uh, there's another thing that he said that I think uh, that I want us to, to see. Because it connects the dots between God being with you and the fact that you are in community not going at it alone. He argues that if we look throughout American history, if we look throughout the world history, and in particular, if we look through the history of Christianity, there's one thing we notice about bravery that comes from God. And it's that a single act of courage is often the catalyst for extraordinary. Your bravery and your courage sets the stage for others to be brave too. Somebody takes the risk. Somebody even takes the risk at the cost of their life and it changes the possibilities. We know this. The start of our nation, Rosa Parks in Montgomery, Alabama, Mahatma Gandhi in the Salt March, Nelson Mandela in South Africa, Martin Luther King, Anne Frank, Harriet Tubman. Choosing to be brave is contagious because God is in the room. God is the place from which bravery flows. And Andy points to a larger truth within this that I just didn't think about, is that if we knew something was going to work out for good, making a decision that, that leads us there doesn't require courage. If there was no fear, there would be no bravery. If you know the end of the story, that's common sense. And this is the story that the church has pushed up against. The story of Old Testament and New Testament people of Abraham, of Moses, of Joshua, of Rahab, of Esther, of David, of Mary, of Joseph, and of Paul. When each of these individuals chose to be brave at a cost, they invited God to use them as a testimony to God's faithfulness. They invited God to take them into hard places, not because they were without fear, but because they trusted the God of Joshua. And I know for many of us right, right now, we're like, I can't be Rosa Parks. I can't be Paul. I'm going to tell you, it's okay. That might not be the bravery that God is calling you to. Because bravery is so often a small act of courage. An act of courage that so often goes unnoticed. For most of us, bravery is not operating on someone uh, to save their lives. It's not rescuing them from the building. It's not preaching a sermon at the height of the civil rights movement. But it might be bravery that starts a revolution of courage by one single step. It can be choosing to seek help when you've gone back to the bottle. It can be saying sorry when you've hurt someone. It can be taking Sabbath when you need it. Bravery may never look heroic in the world's view. It may not be, it may not be picking up 
on a whim and moving to another country. It may simply be standing up for what you believe in. It may be getting up early to tackle the day's list. It may be praying over your child. It may be praying over your spouse. It may be praying over your job, over your friend, every night. It may be praying for bravery every night. It may be the silent act of showing up and waiting. Showing up and holding the hand of your friend who just lost everything. Who just confessed a deep-seated addiction. Who just miscarried. It may not be glamorous, but it is still courageous. Bravery is sacrificing the for sure plan and replacing it with presence and attention on those who need it. True bravery can be staying somewhere when it's really unpleasant. It can be loving your friend even when they've betrayed you. Jesus knows this. Loving Judas even knowing what was about to unfold. And so this week, as we have the last few weeks, I want, I want for you to consider three possible ways to step out in bravery and courage. The first of those is, I want you to consider fasting. Oh, there we go. I want you to consider fasting from something that takes your attention from God. That could be technology, that could be food, whatever it might be. We want to encourage you to do this. And in particular, I want you to think about, as Terry and Danielle mentioned this morning, doing this in the time where our church has set aside 24 hours to do that together. To fast from something and to pray for God to move. And within this, I know it's going to take some courage. And so I want to invite you to pray for bravery once a day, every day, for the next seven days. Pray for bravery as you prepare for it. The second thing is to confess a fear to a trusted friend. Y'all, it takes courage to admit deep-seated feelings of resentment, of jealousy, of struggles with forgiveness. At times, this is terrifying, but it's easier at times to just keep letting ourselves be harmed. To pretend that it's not a harm. Than to seek something that will heal us. And being brave in this instance can, can be as simple as a friend asking, how are you? And you saying, you know what? I'm not great. Can we talk? That's how simple it can start. But I'd love for you to choose to get help when it's easier to pretend. Knowing that the fruit of bravery could change you, and it could change, change them. The last thing I want you to do is, or to consider doing, is to decide to do something for a complete stranger this week. Find a way to bless someone, even if it's terrifying, and even if it takes you super far outside of your comfort zone. Buy them a meal, thank your HEB cashier, volunteer at the center. This is a big one. Slow down to let someone merge in front of you in traffic. That's a hard one, I know. Hold the door for someone. Write a letter to someone you care about or, or, or write, a, write a letter to someone you know 
and think highly of, but are still a stranger to you. Write a letter to a prisoner. All these things are options to be brave. Because, guys, God invites us to be brave in ways that will start a movement, in ways that will change everything, that will, that will stop things from paralyzing possibilities. And as we just have a, a minute or so left, I just, I just want to share a quick story from the life of Jesus. There was a moment when things didn't look good, and we met a guy named Thomas. Thomas was one of the 12 closest friends of Jesus. And he enters the scene, we haven't heard much about him, but he enters the scene right after Jesus' gruesome death on the cross. And Jesus encounters a Thomas who is terrified. The 12 disciples are in essence associated with a man who was executed as a criminal of the state. So they believe their executions are also inevitable. Their friend and Lord's life just ended in a way that they can't fathom, and the disciples are filled with real fear and real confusion. They are closed behind lockers, and yet, Jesus shows up. And yet, as he's standing before Thomas, Thomas's fear and doubt is telling him, that's not Jesus. There's no way he's alive. There's no way he's here. But y'all, the cross, the cross couldn't keep Jesus away. Thomas needed divine proximity to make a small step of bravery. So in this moment, Jesus says, Thomas, look at me, my nail-pierced hands, my side, it's me. And Thomas, small step of bravery, moves forward, touches Jesus' hands touches Jesus' side, and all he can utter is my Lord and my God. When you brave in the smallest ways, you have a chance to encounter the God, to encounter God in such a way that all you can do is worship. The God who is present with you and and leading you to bravery. A map area where you show up for a friend who just betrayed you. And through forgiveness and reconciliation and repentance, you see a breakthrough. You imagine possibilities in that relationship. Imagine a scenario where you come to terms with your addiction to lust, to alcoholism, to people-pleasing, and just by confessing it, you feel freedom. Imagine what could come about or how you might see God if you took that step of bravery and all you could utter is my Lord and my God. Let's pray together this morning. God, we believe that you are the one who makes us brave. We know fear whispers to us from the news. It calls us from our bank accounts. It creeps into our marriages. It creeps into our jobs. It creeps into so many things. And yet, given the life-giving power and presence of you, God, we have every reason to be brave. Amen. I want to invite Ken Cole, one of our elders,